training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pendola Project. I'm your host, Matt Pendola. Today, we had a very special guest, Dr. Joanne Dowketter. And before we get going with the interview, I just want to tell you a little bit about who you're listening to, the background of this amazing coach's story. She's one of the world's renowned sports psychologists, and she wrote a book called Sports Psychology Coaching for Your Performing Edge, The Complete Mind-Body Guide for Excellence in Sports, Health, and Life. So I'll tell you guys, I not only read the book I have so many highlights in it. The whole book it looks like it's highlighted, and I have notes, and I have chapters that I've gone over again and again and again, and I went through her program for the last year and a half. I've talked with coaches from all over the country. It's been a wonderful experience, and I really learned so much from that, so I really recommend you guys get that book. Again, it's called Sports Psychology Coaching for Your Performing Edge. Today, Dr. Joanne Dowcutter had talked a lot about some issues that are tough for athletes today, anywhere from just body image issues to performance issues to where we can learn how to deal with these anxieties and the type of stresses in today's world that makes it a little bit more challenging at times to reach our goals. But there is an answer. There is a way to get to our why. And I believe she is one of the best in the world at helping people get there. She is also trained at Stanford University Medical Center. She's internationally recognized performance consultant and a world-class athlete herself. She was a past winner of the San Francisco Marathon. She was second in the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. Dr. Dalketter has appeared on ABC, Worldwide World of Sports. She was featured in Sports Illustrated. She has contributed to Triathlete and Running Times magazines. She does performance coaching by phone and for people all over the world. Her work with Olympic athletes and high school elite athletes gives her special insight into the mind-body connection to achieve the best in personal performance. So guys, this is a great episode today. I'm privileged to have Dr. Delcatter on our show, and I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Please give us a like if you like the show. Write us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget, you can email us at Aaron at PendolaTraining.com. You can go to our website and sign up for our newsletter and also even for our app that you can get on your phone to do workouts at home or in the gym, wherever it is that you do your training. So without further ado, guys, hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, I'm very, very privileged to have her on the show today. We have talked about you a lot, Dr. Joanne. She was my coach really for the last year and a half and uh, very privileged to be a part of her program. And uh, Joanne was part of... Uh, for me, a very special journey that I went on for my athletes because I realized as a strength coach that uh, just training the body wasn't enough, and I really wanted to start to get an edge, if you will, and her book is called Your Performing Edge. I read through that about five or six times now, have a ton of highlights, really through and through. I have to say 
Dr. Joanne, that this has changed my coaching, has changed my strategy, and my mental approach, not only for how I talk to my athletes, but how I even live. It's, it's changed quite a bit. I was actually on a run just this morning and uh, very fortunate that with the culture that we have, uh, I have a, an athlete. He just finished up college himself. We just went off on a nice little easy, steady state kind of run, and we were talking about what the next steps were for him and his life and his uh, career. He just finished with his college, and uh, he is now designing apps and getting into programming. So right now that's a good career for him to have. But he was talking to me about in control, ready to roll, which was an affirmation that we always talked about and used back in the day when he was training with me and how he's even using that mental approach with all the curveballs he's been thrown with COVID right now and just realizing that he has control of his life still, even though, you know, some things he can't control, he's able to decide on taking uh, an opportunity for his career that allows him to still travel and to learn and to progress, but he doesn't have to get locked into a desk. And uh, so now uh, he's just uh, 22 years old. He's traveling the world. He's actually just done a, his first 50K. He's loving it. But, uh, you know, he tells me wherever I can get Internet is where I work, and I learned how to really take control of, of my life, and I'm just rolling with the punches, so to speak, taking the opportunities that I can get, and he's doing wonderful. He's doing great. And so that's just one of those, those pure examples about what we learn as athletes we can use in the rest of our lives. And so it made me think, of course, once again, about you and the lessons you've taught me, Dr. Joanne. Um, and uh, I should ask you, too, how, how are you going? How's it, how's it going for you today? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, um, yeah, I'm a triathlete, you know, so I'm getting ready for my uh, swim and then maybe do a bike ride and maybe do a run. <laughs> and so I'm out there, I practice what I preach, and <clears throat> I'm a sports psychologist, as you know, and so I work with athletes to on the mental side of training and being able to and so while I'm running or while I'm uh swimming I'm often thinking about you know uh, a, a client or somebody an athlete that I'm going to be working with that day or that morning and uh call in, they'll they'll either call in or I'm in San Carlos and the Bay Area so they'll um either be here in my office or or call in, and so uh, you know, I'll, I'll think about uh, you know what I'm going to talk to about those uh, talk with about to that athlete, and I think you know our bodies. It's just mental training, which I focus on. I think mental training is like taking your brain to the gym, and we want our bodies to have many different speeds and gears, uh, just like in running, and so we need the mind to be flexible too. So, yeah, it's like I think of a training as uh, mental training is like taking your brain to the gym and, and we uh, need those different gears to be flexible, be able to be uh, respond to whatever is happening, whether whatever mood you're in or whatever shape your body's in. So, uh, yeah, so I'm always thinking about what, what's happening next and, 
uh, what's going to happen. And so I work with a lot of uh, well, female and male athletes, but probably more female athletes too, that uh, have different issues to work on. I think that um, you mentioned you might want to focus on. I love it. And so when you're talking about your language for success, can you can you talk a little bit about that? It's of course again in your book a lot of these steps to to help in your book, but. For your language for success, what what would you tell the listener is a good self-talk or good language for them to use? Yeah, I think um, when I talk about three P's of your performing edge, it's in my book and my program, and, and one of those P, positive images and power words and present focus. So language for success is kind of like how we talk to ourselves, um, and it is uh, you know, we're usually thinking of all that negative chatter and thinking I'm too slow, this hurts too much, this is too hard. Uh, but what we want to do, you want to do say what you do want, uh, don't say what you don't want. Um, and we're usually often thinking of the mistake that we just made. So uh, we uh, replay that mistake over and over in our minds, and then the body follows those mental instructions. But what you want to be able to do is create a new movie in your mind of what the thing that you do want to achieve. And, you know, that mistake is always there in the background. But what you could do is turn down the volume on that mistake or that thought, that negative thought. Turn down the volume or, or think of it like a radio. Your brain, like a radio, change the channel to uh, the channel. Like if I was working with you, Matt, I'd say turn it to the Matt channel. Uh, you put in your own name, K-Matt, right? It can be the, like the radio <laughs> channel. And uh, and focus on what it is that, that you need and what you want. So that, that really makes a, a huge difference. And uh, being able to, you know, kind of channel your thoughts, uh, rein them in so that you can focus on what you do want. And then along with the language for success, I'd say use positive images, be able to uh, see... Uh, see exactly what you want and see a vivid a critic, a vivid image of that. Um, be able to see a picture and bring in all five senses to that experience. So you can, say, if you're going out for a run, you can see yourself, you know, pushing, feel your, your feet pushing off from the, from the ground. And uh, if you're feeling tired, you know, you imagine the springs on the bottom of your feet. <clears throat> or if there's, uh, if there's someone you want to catch in front, is what I call my magnet technique, be able to imagine, rather than working so hard to catch up to that person, imagine a magnet on their back, and and uh, your uh, that magnet is drawing you toward that person effortlessly, so you feel their energy pulling you along, and they are doing the work rather than you. That magnet technique is very powerful. It's That's one that I've really adapted and my athletes love to use that technique it's a it's a game changer when you really start to adapt these mental strategies it really makes a huge difference in your overall performance and really gets you through the tough times when you were younger i i know of course you were a winner of the san francisco marathon and you're second at the world championships for the hawaii ironman triathlon uh, you practice what you preach, obviously, and you've, you've uh, worked with Olympic gold medalists, and I know you work with CEOs and a, a lot of top performers, but would you say back then when you were younger, you were trailblazing a bit in my mind, that a lot of what you're talking about now 
people have at least heard of these strategies, but uh, you were one of the founders, really, and of course, you founded your own principles, but, uh, you know, can you speak a little bit on back in the day being a female athlete up and coming in this type of competitive arena and uh, how that's affected you as a a coach uh, throughout the last 20 years or so? Yeah, I think uh, when I I got second in the Hawaii Ironman and that was October 82, back then there there weren't a lot of programs for women, sports programs, and uh, and usually the men were the ones that got most of the publicity, most of the media attention, um, and so we had to really work hard at, at that ourselves. And I, I remember uh, before the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon, I met uh, uh, Diana Nyad, who uh, she was really a encouraging women athletes and she she many many people may know that she was the first person to swim from Cuba to Florida without a cage <laughs> at age 64 pretty amazing and uh, she wow. uh, at that time back then in 82 she, she was uh, uh, commentating for ABC wide world of sports and yeah I saw her there uh, interviewing like Dave Scott and Scott Timley, all the top athletes, they weren't interviewing me because I wasn't, I was a nobody at that time, and, and I just happened to see her walking out, taking a break from the interviews, and, and I talked to her and just gave her my background and, 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 and that I was really hopeful uh, how I was going to use my sports psychology strategies and mental imagery to be able to do well in the race. And she, uh, you know, she gave me a chance. She said, well, wow, why don't we interview you also? And just out of the, uh, brought me in to be able to interview me. So that's, uh, um, and that was such a, a wonderful opportunity because I could uh, tell her about how I was um, going to, you know, you had to do something spectacular to get any kind of coverage back then as a woman, uh, and there weren't that many women in the race. But what happened was I – so I did that interview, and then I was able to follow up on what I said I was going to do. And, uh, you know, I was – you know, we swam at 2.4 miles, and then we bicycled 112 miles, and then I'm about to run the marathon all in 100-degree temperature, 90% humidity, and no breaks, and, and I got off the bike, and I started walking the marathon. And I thought, uh, why did I even sign up for this race? And I, I was just uh, so exhausted. I was ready to quit. But then this other woman came along from behind me, and uh, who I'd beaten in several other races. She was looking at me. She was laughing at me. She said, hey, doll cutter, you're, you're walking. What is this, the new you? Hey, break a leg. <laughs> was actually, you're making fun of me, and uh, it, it actually that you know women could be really competitive within themselves or with each other, which can be a good thing. And in that case, I was really angry, uh, and I at her and at myself, and and thought I got to do something to get myself going here. And actually, that was the best thing that could have happened. So I thought uh, to back on my sports psychology training, and I thought. What's the time? I know that you can go to a time in your mind when you were strong and feel that now. So I thought, you know, draw in that strength to help you when you're in trouble. So I thought, what's the time when I felt really good? And I thought, oh, well, the time I won the San Francisco Marathon two years earlier. 
1980. So I went there in my mind, and uh, that that day I was able to cool down my body as I'm visualizing running in the fog of Golden Gate Park, and I imagined myself uh, feeling really good and really strong there. And so when my consciousness shifted back into the Ironman, I realized, hey, I'm not walking anymore. I'm actually running. And I started out in 19th place, and with that visualization, I just kept getting stronger and stronger. The momentum kept building, and I went from 19th place, and then I was in 15th, and then in 10th place. And, and uh, the turnaround, I could see these women were looking really tired, really horrible, and I thought, maybe I've got a chance here. And I uh, moved up uh, to fifth place, and then so back then we didn't have cell phones, so you couldn't tell what place you were in, but I got up um, to a third place, and then all these helicopters were flying over us, and because uh, um, ABC Wide World of Sports had a helicopter on each of the lead women, and um, I, there was something happening up ahead. I knew I was... And then it turns out it was Kathleen McCartney, who was the previous race winner, and I, I knew that I was catching up to her because my helicopter, my helicopter was moving in on her helicopter. <laughs> and so um, uh, she, so I, I was able to pass her. And, you know, because uh, that I was, you know, able to, to do that, pass someone that, you know, the previous race winner in a, uh, you know, in a, at a critical point, it, it really highlighted what women can do and, and that we can be really strong. I mean, I was so miserable, but I was able to really uh, pull together that last part. And, and so I ended up coming in uh, second place, which allowed me to uh, become uh, get on ABC Wide World Sports and become uh, a professional athlete for several years. So uh, it was kind of, and because of that, they featured women, uh, us as women, and what we were doing on on ABC Wide World of Sports. That was the you know premier sports show back then, and so. Uh, but but even after that, I I, it, I I had to. It wasn't shown on TV, and for six months later, and there was no internet back then, and. Uh, and so I had to really struggle. I had to really promote, work hard to promote myself to try to get sponsorship. And um, But it wasn't easy at all, but I uh, was really persistent with that and was able to to have a sports career with it as a professional athlete for several years. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have uh, anybody promoting me. It was all myself just learning how to do this. But uh, I think women... Um, you know, it's just a story that I think can help um, women to understand that, you know, you've got it. We all have that power inside of us to, to move forward and to to, uh, to do our best. And, and even once you do a great uh, your best, you have to, to work to promote yourself and to, to get your name out there. But it's, it's fantastic right. what women can do these days. We're breaking through barriers all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you are really blazing the trail. And, and this is something that we talked about recently with Gabby Williams on body image issues, which now, honestly, I think we're seeing it more and more so with men as well. But um, can you speak on that? What Have you ever struggled with body image issues yourself? And uh, how did you how did you deal with that if, if you did or maybe one of your clients and, and how does that relate to your performances? 
Yeah, I think uh, I have an all, and probably most women have have um, struggled with that in that I think that women, um, you know, it's beauty and physical fitness are, are you know, primary goals. It's that body image and weight management and eating issues. And and kind of sex appeal; those are like central issues in the lives of of most women. And uh, you know, I um, I was always struggling with with being able to look uh, female enough. Uh, you know, look I, I felt like I didn't wasn't pr- uh, pretty enough. Yeah, the, there was like this other there's the athletic competition, and then there's the the another competition of how good do you look? And I remember some of the other women were really pretty and had the blonde hair and the, the perfect body shape, and they were the ones that got on the cover of magazines, um, not not necessarily the, the women that performed the best. And so there's that other, you know, even today it's the same thing, women who who look really good, they're the ones who get the advertisements and the, the, the TV commercials. So there's that struggle there that, uh, um, you know, you want to, your looks are uh, as important or more important than your performance. And so if your appearance is like a commodity, and I think that um, that emphasis on appearance really uh, demands that we, we're always preoccupying ourselves with that, obtaining that image that others are going to find attractive and pleasing. And that's, um, sometimes, you, you know, when you work out really hard as an athlete, you build muscle. And it's like you know, with women, you have to have just enough muscle to look toned, but not too much muscle so you look masculine. <laughs> and there's always that uh, um, fine line that, you know, people are looking at. And, you're, um, you know, that outer image becomes a symbol for who we are. And I think... You know, we're um, always scrutinizing every aspect of ourselves, like we're constantly being uh, judged. And so, I yeah, I, I, it took a while to come for me to come to the um, understanding that I, you know, everybody's different, and and uh, there isn't one standard. In the past, and even now, it seems like the, the what is considered normal for women, women's bodies are. You know, it's a very narrow um, uh, picture of what you're supposed to look like, and uh, I think for over the years, some of that has changed in that there's more women athletes. We're used to looking at women um, athletes more on TV, particularly with tennis. Uh, that helps people to understand that women can have muscular bodies, uh, but uh, it's still a, a, a something that we're always struggling with and you know as a as a woman you know you want to look toned but also you got to put on the makeup and and uh have your hair just right and wear jewelry and all that uh, other stuff that is particular to uh female athletes and you know and now that we have social media of course there's so much you know with video and and that kind of thing you're, you're always having to Look, um, you know, look feminine, but be uh, 
but have the mu- just enough muscle. <laughs> it's kind of a balance there. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention is a couple of exercises that women can do for what I call body intelligence. You know, to be able to assess your own body and and how you feel about it and your appearance. One of the exercises is to just kind of close your eyes and take a couple deep breaths. And then ask yourself these questions. You can write down, and then you can write down your responses. Um, you can ask first, uh, which part of your body, and then ask these questions, which part of your body are you most comfortable with? And uh, write that down. And then ask, uh, what part of the body do people notice first? That's really key. That's the part that we're most, uh, uh, sometimes the most troublesome. Uh, what part is the strongest? Ask yourself that, and then ask yourself which part of the body is is most injury prone. Um, as, as runners, you know, we're always dealing with knees and joint injuries. Um, ask yourself what part of your body are you most self conscious about. And uh, most women, you know, would say, I don't have enough something. I don't have enough, um, you know, chest. I don't have enough. Uh, I hate my nose. <laughs> There's always something that we're most self conscious about. Um, you know, or my hips are too big. Uh, and then ask yourself, what part do you like the most? That's the part that we we usually the question that most women never ask is, what part do you like the most? And uh, be able to cherish that and and uh, really um, appreciate it. And then, so that's one exercise to do, and and be able to continue to work on that journal on those questions. And then another um, part. Other exercises to pretend that you live outside your body and that someone else could move in. Uh, you know, if you're if you're um, kind of like a plant, you know, ask uh, what tips would you give that new person? Uh, what it's like to be there in your body? Ask uh, what kind of care does it need? You know, just uh, like what what kind of attention? What kind of food? What kind of uh, hydration? Uh, exercise, what kind of um, environment does does your body need, what kind of social support and what kind of uh, physical uh, physical affection and healing and recovery, all those things. You know, if you were to give someone else a manual on how to take care of yourself, your body, uh, what would you tell them? Uh, another question is, what are its rhythms and routines, like uh, hourly and daily and monthly? Uh, you know, do you need to exercise every day and, of course, sleep every day? And at what time do you want need to get to bed at night and get up in the morning? What are the rhythms and routines? And then a couple other questions are just, what tips would you suggest for how to manage uh, this body? So if you're giving someone a manual on how to manage your body, um, what tips would you give them? Like uh, maybe you want to tell them, tell this body to stop working <laughs> uh, at this certain hour or take a break, uh, provide some rest, uh, knowing kind of that balance between working hard and, and recovery and rest. And uh, You know, maybe you'd tell that person, uh, when do I need to take an easy day, an easy training day to recover? So, so those are tips. And then uh, one other question is uh, how – do people respond? How do other people respond to this body, um, and how much does that matter? So that is really key for women, I think, to understand. Uh, you know, ask, tell the person, uh, or ask, how do other people respond to this body? You know, if you were introducing someone else and saying, "Here's here's a here's my body. Here's how to take care of it," 
So how do people respond to it? Maybe they, you know, look funny or they look uh, or they look down or who knows what. Uh, they look at they focus too much on one part of the body. Uh, ask that and then and then and then tell them how much does that matter, um, and and you can adjust that on the road. So those are a couple of really key exercises, um, and those are things that you can do not just once, but I think, uh, you know, check in with yourself with those questions on a regular basis. And then uh, I think that can help uh, women especially to be able to understand how they, um, how you uh, look at your uh, body and how, how you can really care for it yourself. And then those, those same questions that you tell someone else uh, about how to care for your body, um, well, you know, it's easy, always easier to tell someone else uh, about it, but then you can incorporate the answers to that yourself and say, okay, if someone else can care for my body that way, I can care for it that way, and I can, I can do the best I can for who I am and accept who I am right now. So yeah, I hope that helps. Yeah, that's uh, – you – you just gave so many great examples all, all in one story there. And it just reminds me of when I was younger, I did do some, some modeling and this was after my, my running career. I first, I just kind of wanted to put some muscle on because uh, when I knew I wasn't going to go to the Olympic trials uh, for the marathon, I knew that was over. Then I just decided that I was just going to try to put on muscle and, and uh, change my image, right? And the first uh, couple of years of that journey, it was kind of fun doing that. It was a new goal um, and nothing wrong with that. But then it got to a point where I was 200 pounds and 5% body fat. And I was, uh, you know, I was hired to, uh, to do some uh, some male modeling. I almost got onto men's health at one point. Um, they were considering me and I stopped all that because I felt terrible all the time. And, and uh, I was also just uh, taking a lot of supplements. It wasn't, uh, I didn't do anything that was, um, you know, unnatural, but my, at the time, uh, my agent told me, that uh, men's health was was looking at me, but I needed to put on about another 20 pounds of muscle. And uh, I just decided for me that was going to be it, especially because she told me that I was the only uh, male model she was representing uh, for for fitness anyways that uh, wasn't on gear. And, And the reason why I bring that up is because when I talk to my athletes now, I either, we talk about uh, that as an example, or even my wife, Erin, who was a professional dancer that had some, uh, some, some issues when uh, body image issues, when everybody else looking at her probably would have just said, wow, that's, you know, that's the body I want, but not realizing um, some, some things that are behind that potentially harmful things and when changing our mindset about what is healthy and athletes should eat and train and, and they shouldn't diet and exercise, for example. So um, I, I even will show a picture, by the way, um, of what I looked like back then and then even show another picture at the same time frame. But one is with perfect lighting and just have all the, uh, you know, the right uh, photography behind it and um, pick just the right picture 
And that picture barely looked like the picture of me on the same, same uh, time frame where I didn't have all that, uh, you know, the, the bells and whistles and the, and the special lighting, et cetera. So just telling people a lot of it is just um, what you're influenced towards. It's not even really real. And, and even those people don't look like that all the time. And I think it's just it, it's an important point to, to bring up that people see things more for health, especially long-term health and, and how they feel and how they see themselves and, uh, and, and not just um, comparing themselves to, uh, to what's in the magazines. And, and uh, I feel like as a coach, my, my role is to be an educator, not an influencer. And, uh, of course, I've learned a lot more about these principles from you and, and hearing stories like the one that you just told. And, and uh, also we had just recently last week Katie Turner on, and she was talking about just the pressures that she had as an athlete, and she was Division One basketball player. Actually, uh, has done really well, and uh, she's she's even um, set some records at her school. But she's one of those kids that I always um, loved seeing her walk in the door. She always had a smile on her face. She's always motivated. Always works hard. But she revealed that she was actually um, she had dealt with some depression, and uh, when she entered college just a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure on her. And uh, I was shocked really that she even had dealt with that because it's not somebody that you would have even have guessed um, that she was dealing with those type of issues. So can you uh, just speak on that, Dr. Joanne, the, the depression that a lot of athletes um, or just people in general, I think, deal with uh, because anxiety is something that I think can be seen as a positive if you have that mindset and you flip the switch and realize that uh, anxiety can be a good thing if you, if you deal with it the right way. Um, and so, you know, is that pretty, is that something that you deal with, with your clients, um, you know, fairly often, or uh, can you give an example on something like that, how you would advise them to deal with anxiety and depression? <clears throat> sure. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, first, normalizing it that everybody, um, especially athletes, deal with both anxiety and depression a lot of the time because we're we're comparing ourselves to other people. And now, with social media so prevalent, it, it really heightens that use of the comparing muscle. We're overusing it uh, to um, always be looking at other people and saying, "I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as good as this other person because of this." And um, and so that can really heighten the depression and and the uh, anxiety because we're always looking at other people and how they're doing. And of course, on on Facebook and uh, Instagram, people only post the the perfect the wonderful things that they're doing and the achievements and the great vacation they're on they uh and so it, it's easy to to say oh i'm not having as good a time as this other person or i'm not as successful people never post hardly ever post something that is uh you know i'm having a rough time today or i haven't uh just i'm feeling anxious or anxiety sometimes they do but it's it's largely you know just a brag fest and so it's easy to think that the, everyone else is doing so much better. So, uh, and I think that what we need to do is be able to 
Uh, what I was going to say was, especially with women, it can lead to eating disorders or other um, addictive disorders, and uh, men as well um, can end up uh, with all kinds of issues um, with, uh, you know, kind of turning that frustration inside and blaming ourselves. Um, and uh, sometimes in extreme cases, it can lead to, you know, suicidal thoughts and in action, so it's really important to I would encourage athletes to reach out to you know experts like yourself or like myself and you know sports psychology uh, performance experts and uh, to talk about those kind of issues um, and it, it's it, I would advise people to rechannel your uh, it is possible to rechannel your negative thoughts and take charge of your emotions and and to turn that anxious energy into a powerful source of strength and confidence. So you want to um, become aware of your anxiety and emotional states. I think awareness is the first step um, and is uh, critical to doing to being able to move forward and then you can learn to kind of redirect your energies away from self-consciousness into uh, improving yourself and uh, because you want to not just to, uh, to be uh, better than someone else so <clears throat> you want to so some tips i could give people are well, first of all learn the warning signs when you're you know uh have that mental um uh, depression or anxiety, you might feel a lack of focus, you might be forgetting critical details, you might uh, have a sense of confusion or inability to make decisions, you know, those quick decisions we need to make, or you might be resorting to old habits that aren't that healthy. So, um, and then you might notice physical signs like, uh, you know, muscle tension or, or blood pressure going up high heart rate or irritability or um, uh, those uh, cotton mouth, you know, kind of a uh, dry mouth, hyperventilation is a big one where you kind of short, shallow breath. So if you notice those things, uh, that could indicate that there's, you know, anxiety or depression there. So some tips I could give people are things like uh, being able to, uh, breathing is really key and overlooked. One of the most powerful things you can do and one of the simplest things to to uh, take five or ten deep abdominal breaths right at, um, you know, right before you go to sleep and then in the morning as well and say to yourself a positive thought like I'm breathing in strength. Um, it's good to breathe in through your nose uh, because um, nose breathing just brings about that that um, parasympathetic nervous system response, which is the relaxation response in our body. And say to yourself, I'm breathing in strength, and then as you breathe out, I'm breathing out, I'm letting go, something like that. And that way your body and mind are in complete synchronization. And uh, you can even, um, you know, one of the things, a uh, simple technique that if you're by yourself these days with the pandemic where a lot of us are sheltering at home and not able to have that physical touch that we need, you can do something called havening, which is just taking your hand and, and, and bringing it from your shoulder down to your elbow and back and forth, almost like you're petting an animal or something, but just it's like you're, you're giving yourself a hug and uh, just, you know, gently bringing your hand from your shoulder down to your, your, your elbows and uh, all the way down your arms and just saying to myself, saying to yourself, I'm safe, uh, <clears throat> I'm cared for, I'm loved. I'm okay, 
I accept myself the way I am. Those kind of things can really help you to feel a sense of uh, yeah, safety and and feel good inside that uh, you don't have to be anything else. You can just accept yourself the way you are. Um, and then accept that nervousness, that anxiety is, is your friend. Just accept that you're that we're all nervous sometimes and it's a normal reaction. And uh, the key is uh, just making that, if it happens before a race or before a competition, realize you can make that feeling your ally rather than fighting with it. So that nervousness could be a good sign that you're ready to roll. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, um, keeping it from getting too high and being able to breathe. So you can tell yourself, okay, this feeling, you know, if it's anxiety um, before a race, you could say, the more I feel this way, the better I'll perform. And uh, once the gun goes off, you get moving and, and you just relax and enjoy the ride. So telling yourself it's it's okay, nervousness is my is my friend, um, and then just reminding yourself that you are uh, training well and that you're well prepared. If it's a <clears throat> if it's a competition or something, just think back on all the great workouts you've been in and remind yourself I'm trained, I'm well rested, I'm ready to go. So um, and then mentally rehearse things. So if you can rehearse the different scenarios, what could happen. Um, and uh, tell yourself this is okay. I can uh, I can handle this. Or if this happens, here's how I can handle this. And see different things happening, and then be ready for them. Then you'll be able to respond to uh, whatever comes up. So I think uh, that those are some tips for being able to handle anxiety and depression, and just being able to write it down, and then call a friend. I think that is a really good tip too to call call someone that you're close to and uh, just uh, chat with them a little bit. Um, and uh, just get some support. So stay connected with people. So those are some ideas that I have for yeah for anxiety and depression, realizing that we're all we're all going through this together. <laughs> wow. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, <laughs> I'm taking a lot of mental notes in my head, even though uh, I'm privileged to say that I'm one of your performance edge coaches. Now there's always so much more to to learn and uh that's that's a fun part one one thing that i like to use again from your book but just like me and ing that's that's one that i really uh talk about a lot with my athletes and uh the just like me part i think really helps my athletes realize that they're a part of a culture other athletes even athletes that they're they look up to that they may think are, are faster than them or stronger than them um, to remind themselves that, you know, they're just like me and the ING, I'm getting faster, I'm getting stronger. And uh, those type of principles, your book is just chocked full of those type of techniques. And I know to, to get your book, uh, your sports psychology coaching for your performing edge, um, you can go to your website, Dr. Joanne, and that's at uh, www.drjoanne.com, correct? That's right, yeah, drjoann.com. No E at the end, just uh, drjoann.com. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. And um, just for the listener to to hearing this to know that uh, I'm going to invite anyone who wants to write in to us, and this is you can email aaron at pendolatraining.com. You can also go to our website, and uh, that's at www.pendolatraining.com, and uh, sign up for our free newsletter 
there as well. But uh, anybody who wants to write their own story about how they have been able to use these principles or how they are using these principles about uh, our performing edge, anybody who wants to write that story into us, I'll take my favorite story, talk about it on the podcast, but also I'll send you a book, your Performing Edge book by Dr. Joanne Delcutter. And I'm sorry, I say Delcutter, but Delcutter, right? And uh, I'll right, send them it. that book. Anybody who wants to, uh, who wants to uh, take part in that, uh, please uh, email us your story, and I'll pick my favorite one and send you a free copy of the book because I think that this is such a strong strong tool to be able to use in your shed. And uh, I strongly encourage anybody, even an athlete or any coaches, obviously, um, but really for anybody to even look into taking your course. Um, after, after looking at uh, Dr. Joanne's, a lot of free information there too on her website, after reading through her articles and, and uh, maybe listening to some of her, her videos, I think uh, it would be a really a game changer potentially for you to look into taking the course, or, but at least reading the book. I can't, I can't uh, recommend this enough. And Dr. Joanne, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm going to be listening back and taking my own notes. I, I hope the listeners do as well. Is there anything else that you wanted to add today before, before we leave? Uh, yeah, the uh, course that you referred to is called, uh, if you go to drjoanne.com and then click on the tab at the top that says certification, there's a, uh, my sports psychology certification course there that's available. Um, so you can click there and then uh, I'll connect with you. Yeah, and then uh, so you can get some of these principles uh, in more in-depth training. So, yeah, thanks, Matt, for the opportunity to, to talk with you and your audience. I encourage everyone to um, do your performing, have your performing edge. <laughs> Thank you so much, and uh, I know all my all my athletes here at Pendola Training are uh, they all know your name and they know your principles, and uh, we're big fans here. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your legacy. Your 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 whole life is poured into this book, and and uh, you practice what you preach and you share what you know. And uh, I just really believe in people like you. You're a true educator, and it goes much much uh, further than this this podcast. So I really encourage people to to get to know you better and your system. So thanks again for being on today, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you now. Bye. You too. Bye-bye.